Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode three of Pod Like a Hole. Uh, this is your host, Mark Branstead. I am excited, excited to have with me, as always, Eric Anderson. Now I'm something. <laughs> nice job. And Stephen E. Chambers. Everything can stop me now. Wait, that doesn't, <laughs> doesn't sound good at all. It's an optimistic side of it. And tonight, we will be discussing, uh, which some would say the peak of Nine Inch Nails, uh, that would be the downward spiral. It's probably why we're all here tonight. It's not, true. Not this album in general, but uh, no, it's a, it cannot be argued that this is why Nine Inch Nails was the Nine Inch Nails. Yep. Yep. That's right. So, uh, what we're going to get into tonight, we're going to uh, tell you a little bit of background of the album. We're going to tell you a little bit about what was happening with the uh, with the band. Um, this album here was released in 1994, so we'll have Eric give us a little rundown of what the popular culture and current events were happening in the year 1994. That was a good year. I can't wait. It was actually a good year for pop culture. And for us. Uh, I was in eighth grade? I was in eighth grade as well. Oh, okay. That was when, the, the, you know, we talked about this in the premiere episode. I had the Newstead haircut. <laughs> so, you know. It didn't hold up today, I'll tell you that. Is that the one with the, where it's shaved on the sides of the ponytail? Shaved on the side of the ponytail. Okay, I couldn't, all right. I couldn't even do the Newstead today if I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> but I do know what my son will be for Halloween next year. I had a butt cut. <laughs> I had the butt cut. That's uh, yeah. I think that was standard issue in our yeah, age. Yeah, it was. If you want, you know, if we're gonna get into what we were doing at this time, we already went into this because we discussed how we got into Nine Inch Nails, which kind of all tied into this album, except for you, right? Because what had happened was, uh, dear my dear friend Greg in Arizona showed me Broken, and then I went back and discovered Pretty Hate Machine, like. I was doing that literally while this while this was dropping. So my birthday that this came out in March. So my birthday the next summer is when I got it. So I had essentially been caught up without knowing there was a new album coming out. Well, that's that's always a fun thing. Yeah. When you get, when you can get into a band you love and you're digging through the back catalog, and then they release a new album. Yeah. I uh, the last time that happened to me was probably when I I had that revival of that band Machine Head. I always tell you guys to listen to, and you won't. <laughs> So, you know, yeah, that was a good, good few years Holding ago. Holding strong on that one, sorry. <laughs> um, of all the Nine Inch Nails albums, though, I would probably say easily that this is the one that I've listened to probably the most. How about you guys? Absolutely. This is my favorite one, and I'll just throw that on the table right now. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's, uh... Yeah, it, it, was the, it, it wasn't the first I heard, but when I, but when I listened to it, it was years of digging into it years of listening to it pulling out little sounds noticing new things not getting sick of it um yeah clearly yeah it's 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 my favorite and it's still like it just just listening to it as one piece holds up the best in my opinion and i love them all but this is my favorite one for sure i want to say that the only reason that i might have not listened to it as much as i should have is because I listened to it so much for a few years there that eventually I was like I wasn't sick of it. No, I definitely took like a good. But eight, I was like, eight year break let's, let's go do other things. Yeah, yeah. And, I took an eight year um, break from it for sure. I mean, also because next episode we'll be talking a lot about the five year gap, and you were you're absorbing everything else you could of Nine Inch Nails. Right. 
And you always have this to go back to, but you knew this like the back of your hand. Right. And so then when, I almost want to say that like when The Fragile finally came out, I had two copies of The Fragile for some reason, which means I had four CDs of The Fragile. <laughs> and I like, for maybe two summers straight, that was in heavy rotation to where it's not as nearly as easy to listen to all the way through as this for obvious reasons. But I think that one might be my one. Right. But <clears throat> I'd probably listen to this one the most just because of how many times I listened to it when I was like 17. Yeah. Like all night on repeat for months. Yeah. It's, it's the <laughs> production on this that I love so much. And you've said it before. You said it on one of your online rants. But this was the Trent Reznor's era where everything he produced sounded like it was covered in bugs. Yeah, and, like I actually remember reading. That's a really good description. I remember an interview with him where he actually had a guy going around the world sampling bugs and other weird stuff, and that he used in the song, or using various songs on this, and it did. And, and like you know, we'll talk about this another time. But like Antichrist Superstar came out, and I'm not a huge Marilyn Manson fan, but well, I'm, I'm growing into one. There's but, some bugs on that album, but that sure. one had a similar pastiche, mm-hmm. uh, which which uh, is that that kind of statement. He kind of got rid of that, and he got way more into like sonic production. Trent Reznor did, and which is all fine and good. But I love the noisier stuff, and this is that to a T. Well, actually, right? and by the way, uh, oh, about 2002, the collective of artists known as the Tribes of New Rot, who are a spinoff of Neurosis put out a double album that was just bug sounds. Oh. And, um... Right, right. I don't know why I bought that, but, uh... <laughs> was it good? Did it have any melody to it? No, 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 no. no. It was terrible. <laughs> was that the one you're supposed to listen to with the Neurosis album? No, he, no. now, now, yeah. Times was, of Grace, you're yeah, supposed to listen right. to with Solid Grace, stuff. and that's yeah. really good. Yeah, that was fun. But anyhow, doing that. Uh, they took it too far. Oh, was. speaking of which, that, I have to say, that... Uh, Flaming Lips did that with the Zerika. Exactly that. With four discs. Four yeah, discs. Four albums. That is a huge commitment. Yeah. To we find... did it once at my parents' house. Do you remember that, Steve? Oh, vaguely. Because we were able, because it was my parents' house, we were able to find four CD players and have my dad help me, like in the back of the play. I should remember that. Yeah. Too much time on <laughs> your hands. The, neuro- the neurosis, but the AKA neuro- the early 20s. The neurosis yeah. one. <laughs> the neurosis one with Times of Grace and Grace, which yeah, Times beautiful. of Grace is a very solid record. Uh, Sarab and I played those together yeah, with a little there. bit of a added influence. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, I was yeah. there. Yeah, that was that was fun. The fungus, if you will. Oh no! Oh boy, the old Todd and Chuck, huh? <laughs> I didn't have any fungus uh, among us. Yeah, I think either we talked about. Yeah, anyhow. Um, Who like an incubus album? What? Oh, oh, fungus among us, or is no, that is that true. infectious grooves? <laughs> Yeah, I don't I, know. I, yeah. I don't tend to get them mixed up because right. I try not to think get of either of them. Yeah. Listeners. But, but, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Incubus and Infectious Grooves. What were their album titles? <laughs> what was their crossover? So we want to spin off Add us, please, on uh, Twitter. We want to know. No, but what, here's what I... Eric brings a good point about the sound of this album is that if you chart the progression from Pretty, ha- pretty Hate Machine to Broken, if you were to... They, they, they converge and they make this album. And then I think that in this album, you start to see a little bit more of the... Uh, every once in a while, there's some... In, in, the, in the layers, there's some of that rock and roll that Trent Reznor likes. That he kind of goes into a Pink Floydian direction yeah. that goes crazy with The Fragile. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of comes back down to Earth with, with Teeth... But I think with Teeth and the Fragile are like natural outgrowths from this album that Pretty Hate Machine and Broken are natural 
ingrowth sure. to this album. Sure. Does that make sense? So like yeah, no. This is like the nexus of all of his styles. Yeah. And then from With Teeth, he goes into very sonic. You know, the, 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 everything after with, with Teeth kind of, it sounds very programmed until you get to Hesitation Marks, which kind of comes back here with more melody. Yeah. Not yeah. enough for my, for my taste, but we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give it a few months. <laughs> but I do, but I love, but I do, but I just love the noise on this album. It's great. I mean, um, so a couple things. Um, so uh, you talked about the Pink Floydian uh, aspect and this is around the time when uh, I was really into Pink Floyd at the time. When have you not been into Pink Floyd? Well, like that was like the height of my of my interest in Pink Floyd. Wearing shirts to high school. Wearing shirts to high school. That's it. Um, so I was obsessed with the Wall um, and the kind of the storyline and the thematic concept. So I was really into the idea of uh, concept albums, right? Mm-hmm, sure. And um, you know kind of diving into this album, even though on the face of it, like it doesn't necessarily lead itself to a narrative, but at the same time, you can kind of see like an overarching theme and concept. And, you know, coming back to this album, revisiting it so many times, and especially for, for this podcast, I haven't actually started to see where the narrative was. Um, Anybody who's listened to our Twin Peaks podcast will know I got a narrative for you, Mark, and I'm going to tell it to you <laughs> after we're done talking about the songs. Yeah, so well, definitely, it's well, stick around. I think it's kind of well known that I mean the, the album title, "The Downward Spiral," the title track, "Mr. Self Destruct," sure. the last track is called "Hurt," mm-hmm. "Ruiner." Mm-hmm. It's all you know. It's a, it, it just it is lives up to his album title. It's a guy just or a person circling into misery, sure. despair, erased over and out. I've got something more. Yeah. I got I got more to it than that. So if you want I to mean, make, when we get to our uh, you want to, I mean, our track yeah, by analysis. If, if you want to make it more complex than that, you're you're basically becoming a person that's writing Stan, Star Wars fan fiction. But it's fine. Which is nothing wrong with no, that. No, exactly. <laughs> I'm telling you, Jabba and Leia could have been a thing. So... <laughs> This album... He had her consent. (laughs) How did this album come to be? Okay, so... We left off off with Broken, which was the anger album in reaction to the fallout with TVT. And Mm -hmm. it was his first work for nothing... uh, for Interscope, and he got the Nothing Record label. Sure, yeah. I mean, this uh, was considered his second studio album. Um, and in that regard, uh, broken with it just being an EP, uh, doesn't constitute as a full length as, you know, people in the industry would know. So, uh, this particular album, it was recorded in, um, which is pretty infamous at this point that Trent is looking for a home out here in, uh, Southern California, uh, to record the the studio album, and that home happened to be the Tate House, uh, the house that Charles Manson uh, sent his uh, minions to uh, murder uh, Sharon, uh, Sharon Tate or Shannon mm-hmm. Tate. I'm sorry, Shannon Tate. Shannon Tate. If we were ten years older, we'd know that. I know, I know. I'm sorry. You know, he claims Sharon Tate. Sharon Tate. He claims that it was a. Uh, oh, I, I I had no idea. That's not why I bought that house. But come on. I'm sure just, that he. I knew. feel like like he was harnessing the, the energies yeah. there for the album. Okay, great, but like in a way that's kind of disrespectful. Like <laughs> the family of the 
murder. Yeah. Like, oh, well, I hope you got a good album out of it because... <laughs> you know, it's interesting that you say yeah. that because he actually ran into Sharon Tate's sister while he was recording the album and she had heard that that's what he was doing um, mm-hmm. and she was oh, like... Oh, shit. And she approached him. She just came by and he was, mo- he was mowing the lawn? No, no, no. <laughs> like, they ran into each other on the street probably at, like, some Starbucks or something. Right. Um, it was 1994. And, Does Starbucks even exist yet? In, uh, in Seattle. They were in Seattle. Okay, so it was in L.A. So... It was in L.A., but they that's where they met. I don't know where they ran into they each other. They ran into each other at a Winchell's Donuts. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyways, uh, she kind of confronted him on the issue, and he kind of realized what well, that's probably a shitty thing. I certainly am not looking to exploit this tragedy that happened up there, but and then he, in an interview, he said that he went home and he, he cried about it. Yeah. I need them energies. Yeah, <laughs> but anyways, yeah, well, that's like, good. He's, you know, I mean, Trent's shown he's got a, he's got himself a heart. So he's also yeah. shown that he he's willing to cry. Strong men also cry. Right. That's yeah, right. That's what the pre-hit right. was all about. Because <laughs> you know, hey, the color of his heart, gray. Right. <laughs> yes, and uh, so things uh, became a little bit real for him. You know, he uh, started working on this record you know, with the idea of really focusing on as Eric was talking about texture and space and noise melody with that overarching uh, thematic concept um, some would say that he was heavily influenced by David Bowie's um, album low or uh, pretty especially much a warm place just like interludes like instrumental interludes and such yeah, yeah. we'll get to that yeah. particular because no. I, no. I found another nugget of information about a warm okay. place okay. and I'm sure you may have already known that maybe and then also like the aforementioned uh, Pink Floyd's The Wall I'm loving this because I, I dug <clears> deep into whatever was about this album when it came out on the whatever early version of AOL chat rooms uh, for Nine Inch there were or whatever but I'm, I've since forgot some stuff so I'm looking forward to whatever nuggets you guys have to share this is Sure. That's where most of Eric's friends were as well. So it was a win-win. <laughs> My first seven girlfriends. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I had, it was during this era that I had an internet girlfriend in San Diego that I used to communicate with via Mark's IRC account at his house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that uh, the really inception and uh, the springboard for this album was, um, so in 1991, um, Trent Reznor, uh, obviously the live band for Nine Inch Nails, was uh, had a more visceral sound as we kind of covered on the the Broken episode, and he really started to feel a little more negativity coming from his bandmates, uh, specifically uh, from what I've read, uh, Richard Patrick, not Robert Patrick, the T One Thousand. They were having some uh, personal conflicts, and so uh, Richard Patrick then left the band. Um, to go focus on his his project, Filter. I always wonder what would have happened if he stuck around. Yeah, it would have been weird because, I mean... Well, would he clearly sh- wanted to be a front man. Would Hey Man clearly. That Shot be a Nine Inch Nails song? I don't know. I don't think so. It's not a bad song by any no, means. Not a, it's no. a great song. Yeah. There's a, there's a, did, did Short Bus come out uh, in between Broken and this album? No, it no, came out after. Came it after. Oh, that's right, like 95. I feel yeah, like it was like, I yeah, think yeah, 95 yeah, yeah. is exactly Short, but, Short Bus is definitely going to be lumped in with the... On the on the influence by album. Or okay, podcast. we'll talk about it more then. Okay, because okay, I got some stuff to say, but yeah, that, and that's too bad though because because he was he's very talented. Um, they you know could have been a good good collaboration. We but, talked about him in the first episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. both want to be frontmen. You guys still got to listen to that podcast where he told he warned us about Trump. So. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Little callbacks right there. Yeah. Um, so also Trent was um, suffering with uh, drug addiction, and that was pretty much. Uh, 
uh, still heavy from his Pretty Hate Machine and Broken Years. What was he into these days? You know, I have no idea. Was he into, but... the, was he into the hard stuff? Did he ever become a heroin guy? I remember interviews from this era where he was he was really into mushrooms when he was making this album, of course. But that's not an that's addiction. Not, no, that's not an addiction. Like that's it. a yeah, past Maybe I think alcohol and just probably yeah. just getting... I'm sure he was doing like, blow. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. He had to be doing blow. Yeah. If he was um, hanging out with Marilyn Manson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but that really catches us up. I mean, uh, 94, you know, so who's in the band at this point? Um, the live uh, act. Uh, do you have that information, Eric, in front of you? No? Okay. <laughs> I, have, I have pop culture from that. Here's, here's who's in the band. The, so, live, the yeah. live band at that time is going to be Chris Renna. Yep. Charlie Clouser. Uh, Charlie Clouser comes programmer. in a little bit later, but yeah, okay, he then, did okay. a little work on the record. Chris Renna, Danny Loner, mm-hmm. Robin Fink. That's your main band right there. And then whoever's playing keyboards. Uh, so, yeah, Charlie Clouser or James Woolley, um, which... R.I.P. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think yeah. he's dead now. Recently, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. And from those guys, Robin Fink left the band and came back early aughts. Left the band to join the circus. Yeah, he went in Circus de Soleil. Yeah. And he came back around the end of the Fragile Tour, maybe? And he's been yeah. in the, the band ever since. Was he on the Fragile Tour? Uh, yeah. I think... Yeah. Dan, I think Robin Fink's been in the touring version of the band for almost the entire since this album. Yep, he's been he's been he's been a, a mainstay. Um, well, well, there was one exception that was the With Teeth era when Aaron North uh, mm. was playing guitar for. for That's that. right. No, you're correct. You're definitely yeah. correct. Mm-hmm. So he he was on the Fragile and then he left around With Teeth, but came back sometime around that free. Eve. Uh, EP the slip or, yep the that's slip. when he came back around that's right um, mm-hmm. which reminds me I'll segue I saw Nine Inch Nails recently yep I went and saw them at the Aftershock Festival and that was an experience um, bros it was bros goths juggalos and sacramentos you know <laughs> and I was just thinking when they were playing uh, I was thinking Raza Robin Fink I really... He's been a, a constant in my life since I was a teenager. That's great. Didn't... No, I'm I'm completely wrong. But he wasn't in the live version of GNR, was he? No. I think he was just one this of the... Buckethead. Thought, it might have been Buckethead. Uh, but there was Buckethead and someone else. No, Robin though. Fink was there for a minute. In okay. GNR, right? But I don't know if he played live with them. I'm not okay. sure. Uh, maybe They're, it was just on Chinese they, democracy. They, they rotated out so many <laughs> people. Are, <laughs> actually, <laughs> yeah. Uh, for our Patreon subscribers, there will be a special uh, Chinese democracy episode <laughs> where I sing its praises and how it's probably the closest... Me and Eric will call in sick on that episode. It's probably so. the closest downward spiral there is to the downward spiral. It isn't the downward spiral. Uh, I don't know about that. I couldn't get through that. I went through a GNR run through and I did a full stop halfway through Chinese democracy. You missed out on some good stuff, man. Oh, man. Did you get it? There's no such thing as Chinese democracy. Yeah, we get it. Anyhow, so yeah, I went, went on Nine Nails recently man. and I had a, a very good time and it it was really entertaining because it was a festival show and I'm not a fan of festivals, right? mm-hmm. but everybody there was really there for Nine Snails. There's the crowd was just a ton of people, and to see them all singing to Bed Like a Hole. Uh, the last time I saw Nine Snails was you didn't see them on the Soundgarden. No, because we no. sold our tickets. Yeah, what was before that? I haven't they seen them since they played Arco with with Queens of the. No, I've seen them since then. It was the last time I saw them. Um, who the hell opened up for them last time? God, I don't know. Doesn't matter. 
All that matters. Uh, what, what what era? Like, was it like? I haven't zero? seen it. No, this is the first time I've seen some hesitation marks. Hesitation marks. Oh, was you know what, what it was? It was that ghost tour. Oh. Yeah, but at Arco. Yeah, and they were also promoting Year Zero at that time too, because I do remember. Um, no Year shit, zero, you're right. No Year no, Zero came. They were out just earlier. doing the slip and ghosts. Yeah, oh, yeah. Cool. So anyhow, yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it was it was a lot of fun, and as, I don't got to tell you guys, they still got it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, old TR. He's got such moves. Sometimes yeah. you forgot that he's really got the moves. He he know he knows how to like pose. When it's pose a non-flexible, we should we should all go. Yeah, and do a special episode just about that. Show. I have another thought about that show. I'll save for a particular yeah. song. Okay. Moving on. It was great to see Nine Chanels yeah. again. All right. So that's really the background of the album of where Trent was at. Um, you know, it's a. It, it was it's a bleak album. Uh, there's no no doubt about that, and I'm sure it took its toll because, as Steve uh, talked about earlier, uh, a huge gap uh, came out of this record between his next record, which was The Fragile. Yeah, he was working on a lot of projects, which we're going to get into in our next episode. Sure. Uh, the next the next this one we can't we can't do that and this in one. No, it's too much. Yeah, the the a ton of soundtracks, mm. a ton of the. Uh, Covers and weird B sides here and there, mm-hmm. yeah. and but still, even with all that, five years in between albums. I mean, that that's like a that's like two years of work, and there's still three years of nothing. Right, you right. Know? There's still there's still a that gray area where a clip would be released on the internet of 20 seconds of the day the world went away, and we listened to it on repeat for an entire day. Yeah, I remember that. Um, we'll we'll talk about that when we get to the next fragile. We'd like to say that a lot. That's our catchphrase. We'll we'll talk about we'll that. We'll talk about it. But we do a lot of talking, but not about that. Yeah. So um, it's what we do. So when we come back, uh, we're gonna have Eric give us a little rundown of uh, 1994. Um, so stay with us, Thank guys. You. We gotta set the stage because it's a incredible year. Nineteen ninety four, right? Nineteen ninety four. What was what was Louis K- um, C K doing? <laughs> <laughs> Has he been in the news lately? He was. I, I don't know. He I, was, what, have you, what have you read? He was writing this the twenty seventh draft of Pootie Tang. <laughs> no, I can't. If I were to actually share my thoughts about that, I'd probably be blacklisted. So yeah. I can't. Yeah. I can't okay. Talk about it. Uh, All right. All right. It's, uh, it's disappointing, guys. The world population in nineteen ninety four was uh, five billion five hundred sixty four million people. Um, the George Foreman grill came out for the first time. We all had one of those disgusting, covered in fat. Well, I got covered in fat, disgusting, and not a good thing to cook with. So at, at Coldwell Solar, they uh, they buy the pigs uh, lunch on Tuesdays and Thursdays, mm-hmm. and today it was fajitas mm-hmm. and some. And uh, Robbie from Estimating used a George Foreman grill to seal his shut and make a pocket. Oh, see, that's a good use. of <laughs> it, it was great. Yeah, but just cooking raw meat on it. I just remember having them in college and just always covered in 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 just grease and fat. Just disgusting. Anyways, uh, World Series champions none. 
It was the strike. Oh, strike oh boy. You know who probably could have won that World Series? Dunton. Yeah. Montreal Expo. Okay. That's right. Yeah. And then and then that that was it. Became the Nationals and they still haven't won the World Series. Nope. The the D Keezies, the Dallas Cowboys won the uh, Super Bowl. <laughs> is that is that the nickname for the Cowboys? <laughs> if I if I was a fan I'd make it. I'd make it one. <laughs> Houston Rockets won that NBA championship. Who was on the Houston Rockets, Steve? Mr. Basketball, Mr. Bill Simmons I'm, over there. I'm not ready for this one. I, I don't remember. Hakeem Olajuwon? Sure. <laughs> All right. So this is this is before reality television. Well, actually, probably it was one of the first seasons of Real World was this year. But this was probably, as far as reality TV goes, probably one of the most newsworthy events. I love this story. Okay. So on Family Feud, the host at this time was a certain Ray Combs. Oh, yeah. And um, the episode ended, and nobody knew this, but he got fired right before they filmed the episode, and they said, this is your last one, and they just told him that right before he filmed it. So it ends with a contestant. Why would they do that? I don't know. Why would they not wait until after the episode? Well, do you know what happened to Ray Combs? But no. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. So, so it ended, and some contestant lost all of his money during the fast money round, and at the very end, Ray Combs said... I thought I was a loser until you walked up here. You made me feel like a man. And then he walked off in, at the very, during the end credits, drove home without saying goodbye to anyone. Oh, <laughs> that's a great moment of television. <laughs> no, that's great. But I think Ray Combs killed himself. Oh, well. I think he hung himself in his closet. Huh. Uh, well, oh, way to that's laugh a at great... Him. <laughs> way, to, way to kick a man when he's dead. Talk hey, about I'm the downward saying, spiral, guys. Hey, we're just, it's a theme episode. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. The original name to this album was The Family Feud. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, okay, so uh, I'm not going to go through a lot of these, but Sex Symbol, Gillian Anderson, of course. My, yeah, she wonderful. This time I was I was head over heels for Gillian Anderson. I was in my X-Files. What's around that, uh, the Rolling Stone cover? Uh, it's about two years out from Rolling Stone cover. The Rolling Stone yeah. cover. Yeah. Old yeah. brother. Um, so at this year, you could have gone to the movie theater. Hold on a second. Give me some more sex symbols. Okay, sorry. Uh, this year, what you came Cindy, here for. Cindy Crawford, Naomi Campbell, mm. Cameron mm. Diaz because she was in The Mask, mm. terrible film. You know, Sherilyn Fenn. God, yeah. That's yeah. She she she's her in that one. Uh, Melanie Griffith, Daryl Hannah, Sherilyn Finn. Uh, Fenn. That was the woman. That's Audrey Horn. Audrey Horn. Yeah. Uh, Kate she Moss. Pretty well. Kate Moss. Winona Ryder. You know, they, uh, Winona Ryder's on here twice. Did you read <laughs> put this blog together? Did, that's, a, that's a Stranger Things tie-in. Um, did you read that new Twin Peaks book, Mark? No, is it out? It is. Yeah. Did, and you can read it. Eric and I both read it. I listened to it yeah. in a night. Yeah, I read it all. It's in a, a night. quick read, mm-hmm. and they kind of clear up what what was going on with the. That's Audrey. what I heard. I heard it was great. Yeah, you get it. You, you, no, the book is great. Yeah, the Audrey Horn story. Eh. You don't oh, get much. No. You don't get much for her, but yeah. you get you get Just you do get book. closure was, yeah. Yeah. in general. So this is the year that Tanya Harding happened. This is the year that OJ happened. This was like a big year. Oh, this is a great. This is a. This is one of the biggest. Wait, wait. What happened with OJ? Uh, yeah, I hadn't heard. Alleged. Well, <laughs> allegedly he put a. He had his football buddy drive him around in a white Bronco because he didn't kill somebody. Oh, Kim yeah. Gooding Jr. played him. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. Did you guys watch that TV show? Oh, yeah, it was great. It, it was, was great. amazing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love Fantastic. it. Yeah, it's Theo Huxtable. I couldn't quit watching it. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Like I, Theo I watched the first two episodes. I'm yeah. like, this is okay. Yeah, and no. then the watching. rest of it, yeah. I just yeah. plowed through it. You know who was fantastic on that was that uh, uh, the the actress that played uh, Marsha Clark. That's uh, oh, uh, she's in all that. Sarah guys. Sarah Paulson. Pally? There you go. Pally. Paulson. Sarah Paulson. Paulson. Yeah, fantastic. She's in the new 
Steven Spielberg movie, which looks so over the top, but great. Oh, The oh, Post. The, the Post. about Watergate? The Post. Yes. The Post. Yeah, and it's got Bob, Bob and David in it. Bob and David are in it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, have you... Carrie Moon's in it from The Leftovers. We're, we're getting off track here, but um, so I recently watched The Deuce, and so speaking of Bob and Dave, uh, that would be Bob Odenkirk and David Cross for those that sure. are not uh, speaking the lingo here. Um, did you see the trailer for The Disaster Artist? Yeah. That but, looks really good. Yeah, are they, are they in it? Uh, I just saw oh, Bob, a, Bob's Bob is. Bob's yeah. in it. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, I've never seen The Room. Neither have I. And I don't plan to. Neither I've seen, do I. I've seen a YouTube. Jen does a pretty good impression of Tommy Wiseau, okay. though. Yeah, I, 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 I've seen a YouTube oh, like, compilation. Hi, you see, here's yeah. the thing about The Room. Is have that, you watched it? No, I didn't see it when yeah. it was a thing. And then when everybody started telling the jokes, I was like, what are you guys talking about? Yeah. And I didn't see the movie then. Yeah. And so 10 years later, I'm like, why? That's, I'm not going to, the joke won't be funny to me. No. Right. Right. No, I have no time for that. But I will watch the disaster. It's like if I if I sit someone down to watch Fat Guy Goes Nutsoid, which we rented when we were <laughs> we like, tried. We were like fifteen. <laughs> but yeah, just pretend that we thought it was hilarious. No one's gonna get it. This, you know, I, all I fell asleep later. in that. Yeah. All right, guys. So back to the nineteen eighty four. Um, so the New York Rangers won the Stanley Cup. They got drunk and left the Stanley Cup in a strip club. Yep, that's fine. As you would often right. do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big music controversy. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, David Cross, David Crosby <laughs> had to get a liver transplant. Phil Collins paid for his liver transplant, and which basically usurped a bunch of people that really needed him. <laughs> for David Crosby, who has drug and alcohol addictions, and probably shouldn't have gotten that liver transplant. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, but listen, you know, he had a, like a Twitter feud with Kid Rock for a while. It was funny. Melissa Etheridge had to have a kid one day, and that's true. Wasn't it? Finish that thought. I think you're right. Actually, <laughs> it's yeah, Crosby. Yeah, it's Crosby's. Yeah. So, yeah, I forgot come about. on, man. So other... Oh, Don't you look like a walrus, though? Yes. <laughs> like the human man <laughs> with the walrus? Yeah, there's a movie called Tusk, directed by Kevin Smith. <laughs> you know, I never watched that Terrible. movie. Terrible. Uh, okay, next. Um, so remember that song from 1994 called What's the Frequency, Kenneth, by R.E.M.? It's yes, a great song. It's a good song. It's a, yeah. Monster so, is yeah, actually an yeah, underrated yeah. album. That's yeah. actually our second uh, season is R.E.M. Odd. <laughs> <laughs> The oh la- boy! <laughs> the last—that's co- a tough one. The, the last couple measures of that song, the bass line slows way down. It's because Mike Mills had an uh, appendectus attack and had to be rushed to the hospital while they were recording, and they just left it in there because that's rock wow. and roll. So. Man, I, REM, man, they uh, during that time didn't uh, their drummer had a brain aneurysm on tour too? Oh shit! Wow. I think that's a little bit later, but yeah. No, I think it was on that tour though, because then after Monster came out, then they did that New Adventures in Hi-Fi. And uh, Bill Berry, I think the drummer, had just nowhere. Yeah, he hmm. was not on that record. R.E.M. is not a bad record. No, um, I, I got to say. Bad band. You know what that reminds me of? Whenever I think of R.E.M., I think of Dan Kilman, who's a listener of the show. Yeah. He sent me a text. Oh, right on. Hello there. Friend of the show, Dan. He said he I, I, Yeah, I, uh, that's right. Guys, in 1994, you could go into a theater during one weekend in October and watch Pulp Fiction... Forrest Gump, Shawshank Redemption, Lion King, and Jurassic Park. Jesus. All the same day. My God. It's a fucking goddamn good year. That is <laughs> a good year. Yeah. 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 I mean, just two of those yeah. are classics. Of those movies, what, what would be your number one? Pulp Fiction. Oh, Lion King. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you told us what yeah. your real feelings were, though, Mark. Yeah. And that's why they passed you up to be the Mark. voice of Timon. <laughs> Mark is a uh, huge Disney guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, mine would be Jurassic Park. No. Oh, man. Wasn't yeah. Jurassic Park on the list? Yeah, it was. Absolutely. I mean, I love yeah. Pulp Fiction. Jurassic yeah, Park Jurassic was in Park theaters is, for like two and a half years. Yeah. But Jurassic Park, I can remember yeah. the day I saw it. 
Yeah, Guys, I saw it in Seattle. While he was filming uh, Pulp Fiction, Quentin Tarantino's 64 Chevy Malibu was stolen, and it wasn't recovered until 2013. Wow. Cold case files. Yeah, cold case files. Old QT, uh, since he can't use Weinstein now, He's never. Why not, Steve? What's uh, what's going on with Harvey Weinstein? <laughs> I I don't know. I want to. Has anybody heard about Louis? He's a diddler, um, funny bone tickler. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no one else has ever financed his movies, and now all these other uh, studios are trying to get behind him. Sure. But he said he's going to stop at ten. Like, what, how many more does he got going? Nine like, and ten. The oh, next movie's about the Charles Manson murders. Is that what he's doing? Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you thematic. See I mean, thematic. it's helpful because it. Uh, yeah, no, it's a great movie. Yeah. Guys, um, the biggest movies of this year, Forrest Gump was number one. Oh, God. It's not bad. It's, Forrest Gump is... At the time, I liked it, but as I... Yeah. As I there's um, a problem. I have no, problems I, with that movie. I am with you on this one, folks. Yeah. It's, it's I'm it, with it, you. It, it Every like, time that I see it, it's like it, was, it should be so made contrived. on the USA Network. Yeah, it's so contrived. It's like... It's just like... And I love Robert Zemeckis. Yeah, you know, Tom, A little Tom Hanks goes a long way with me. Oh, are you kidding me? Tom Hanks is I love him. American He's American I know. We all love Tom the Hanks. The David S. Pumpkins, are you <laughs> telling me? <laughs> the Castaway? <laughs> uh... But I think that movie's alright. I know the stuff with his girlfriend's kind of gross, and I know the Lieutenant Dan stuff's kind of annoying. You know, but, do you know that Gary uh, Sinise travels the country with the Lieutenant Dan Band, and they play they play army bases. I think Gary Sinise is a really staunch conservative. <laughs> yeah, he I, is. I assume yeah, so. I could just imagine. All, well, he only plays his, plays military bases. So well, there you yeah. go, Lieutenant Dan Band. Uh, Lion King was number two. True Lies was number three. The most expensive movie ever made up until this time. True, True Lies, Lies is a masterpiece. Because of who? Tom Arnold. That is exactly right. <laughs> uh, pod, oh, come on. Podcast that, recommendation. That one scene with uh, with Bill Paxton as the guy that like, oh, is sure. scheming yeah. on. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. so good. Yeah. Uh, if you uh, have time, listen to the I Was There Too podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, the point. Tom Arnold uh, edition is great. <laughs> He's and just his a, story about true lies. That's uh, perfect. Notch. Yeah. Now Tom Arnold, he's just a he's just a stand up guy, and it's we used to be so annoyed by him. Many of us are, but Tom Arnold, much like another podcast guy, Gilbert Gottfried, I kind of like in my old age. Yeah. I uh, still. Tom I mean, Tom you mean the voice fine. of Iago from Aladdin. Yes, the voice of Iago from Aladdin. <laughs> that's right. He's got a lot Jafar! of good. He's actually one of those people that's really. I don't, don't want to be bad anymore. I want to be good. Is obsessed with old Hollywood, <laughs> and it makes for a good listen. All right. Uh, uh, other movies: Santa Claus with Tim Allen. No. <laughs> the Flintstones. Uh, no, I saw that in the theater. Dumb and, Dumb and Dumber. That's a that's a classic. Clear and Present Danger. Are you guys gonna say you don't like Dumb and Dumber now too? Oh, I, I like Dumb, Dumb and Dumber. Dumber. Okay. Yeah, it yeah. works. Clear and, Pre- Clear and Present Danger. Speed. The Mask is terrible. The Mask is terrible. And the I Mask is otherwise. terrible. <laughs> that is yeah. a terrible film. The CGI um, does terrible. not hold up. And you know what's interesting? The bad guy. guy. The bad guy in The Mask is uh, the guy that gets butt-fucked in Pulp Fiction. Oh, <laughs> lovely. <Yep>. Um, <laughs> now, if this old brain does anything, it reminds me of, who got butt-fucked in what movie? Wait, no. Did he, did he do the butt-fucking? No. Yes. Okay, he did the... He's yeah, the one yeah, that butt-fucked yeah. okay, uh, the guy that ra- Yeah, he was the cop, right? He was yeah, the cop. Yeah, okay. I'm going to... That was Zed. <laughs> We're going to have Mark and, Steve, Zed. Mark and yeah. Steve memory lane in one second here. First, got to say... Oh yeah, Speed Fuckathon. Yeah, Speed. <laughs> he's not wrong. Speed is a great movie. Yeah, bum, 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 bum. Speed's bum, bum, great. Bum, 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 Pop quiz, hot shot. And then so around this time when Mark and I were listening to the Downward Spiral, uh, we were like, "Hey, we're buddies. Let's watch some movies." And so, oh yeah, we. I, it might have been the first time we've seen both of them. 
I know it was the first time we saw it. Deliverance. Yep. <laughs> Which, uh, <laughs> for those who have never heard of the movie Deliverance, sure it involves have. Burt Reynolds, Ned Beatty, and some other guy. I don't know who the other guy is. It's John Voight. John Voight, for crying out loud, Mark. <laughs> God damn it. And, uh, yes, uh, Hillbilly. John Voight's terrible. John um, Voight's terrible. He's a pox on humanity. Oh, what? You guys don't age. like Ray Donovan? My goddamn! For the last six years, my parents have been telling me that seems like something Greg Chambers would watch. I've, no, Greg. Greg's actually better than that. He just rewatches The Sopranos or Mad Men. But uh, yeah, they keep telling me you gotta watch Ray Donovan. I tried two episodes. It is terrible. Um, worse than Sons of Anarchy. Okay, but, uh, man. <laughs> anyhow, Romans and Sons of Anyhow, Anarchy. getting back to the butt fucking. Yeah. Um, we're going to get a mature label on this one. Is that, yeah, Mark and I are 14, and we're like, let's rent Deliverance and Pulp Fiction. You know, and make it a theme. We really enjoyed those two fine films, but at the same time, we're like, wait, there's a theme. And both yeah, those movies, that, that happened. Yeah. And I don't think either of us thought anything of each other that night, but. That was the first time we touched dicks, though. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first time. Yeah. Guys, big songs of 1994. Mariah Carey's Hero. Uh, Brian Adams, Rod Stewart, and Sting's All for Love, which is from the Three Musketeers film. Uh, the the neo-Nazi Ace of, Ace of Base, The Sign. <laughs> oh, uh, man, they, they're, they're probably... Are they touring again? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a prime time. <laughs> Lisa Loeb and Nine Stories, Stay, I Missed You. Um, there you go. So, Oh, and don't forget about Ina Kamosi's Here Comes the Hot Stepper. Oh, I am, yeah. I've always despised Lisa Loeb. Uh, was it oh stay? Yeah. That was uh, you know that For was reality there. bites, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know there was a who else? there's Lisa Loeb. Who else? Joan Osborne. Joan Osborne. But who had the good song? No, you have to give me a little. Torn. Who did, who did Torn? Torn. Natalie and Bruglia. Yeah, she was all right. Okay. Okay. Guys, that was 1994. That set the stage. Is the world ready for this album? I don't know. Not a Forrest Gump is leading the charge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> explains a lot of what happened there. Well, let's take a break and then find out. D- dive, dive in because before this album could drop, he had to tickle our interest with a little single called "March of the Pigs." So before, it's not uncommon for before an artist to release their big album, they put a single out first. Well, that's what we back in those days before the internet, when everything was just given to you at all times. Yeah, these kind of things, like I, we didn't go through it with this, but when before the fragile came out, we hunted down those singles. Like the day you were, the world went away single came out, like three months before the album, and I went out and bought it like the day it came out, yeah. and it was two songs. Yeah, no, I definitely got this. And the cool thing about this single was it came in a two CD set, but you only got the first disc. And then the import version, the second version, came out months later or weeks later, and you put that disc into the two CD set. Like, they, do you remember that? No. Yeah. What was on the same the, amount of tracks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first disc had like one through three, and mm-hmm. the second disc had four and five, but then it had a clean version. 
of the normal March of the Pigs. Hmm. So yeah, it was it was it was it was just total like Therese are doing. It might have been a cash grab, I don't know, but it was just kind of a fun way to collect songs, depending on how far you wanted to dip your toes into the new music. But uh, anyways, so March of the Pigs comes out. I like and, yeah, and I like that uh, automatically here. This is much more realized than everything else that Nine Nails has been doing. It's true. Yeah, he knew exactly what he wanted to do. When you look yeah. at the artwork by Russell Mills, uh, who just did the artwork for this in the Downward Spiral. Hesitation marks. And hesitate, you're right. Yeah. That, that's great. It's way more, there's a lot more to look at there than there is the other album covers. I mean, it looks like, it looks like a painting that that's done with pastels and string. It looks very, red. it looks yeah. physical. That and the downward, yeah. like you look like you can actually Touch the album and touch barbed wire. Yeah, I always uh, thought Downward Spiral looked like a like an old wrecked Jeep on the cover. <laughs> the the Anyways, we'll get to that eventually. I really like the font. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as, as well. But yeah, I'm not normally a font guy. Do you know what font that is? No, neither do I. But at this time, Trent knew exactly what he wanted to do for branding. Nine Inch Nails had a logo. They had halos. Uh, right. And like I said, like he released a single in two parts. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Did, they re- did they retroactively do the Halos? The other Halos no. already exist. No, they yeah, yeah. He knew what he was doing yeah. from the beginning. Okay. Yeah, as far as that goes. Um, so, yeah, March the Pig single. So you get the song and, like... We, well, we'll talk about the song when we talk about the album, right? Yeah, no, we'll get, we'll get into March the Pigs a little bit more when we get into its placement on the Downward Spiral. But as far as picking a song to have be the first single, this only came out, like, three weeks before the album. Mm-hmm. But March of the Pigs is a great song to start out with because it sounds like a transition from Broken. Right. It, it sounds like it's track it's aggressive. seven from yep. Broken. It's aggressive, but it's more layered than anything on Broken. It's better produced. Which is his whole production style now, yeah. which is like super layered. Um, yeah, it's angry, but then it, it, it's got dynamics because it cuts to that hit just him and a piano mm-hmm. to break it down. And, and it had the cool video to go with it, right? Which no, is, I, I, do, I do enjoy that video. Mark and I watched it again earlier. I... I really like that I forgot I forgot that it's a live recording. Right. So that, mm-hmm. that version of that video is not even on, in, yeah. even the single. It's, and also, he doesn't... It came out later on something else. He doesn't um, get tangled in any wires or anything, but he almost trips a few times over his own feet and the microphone cord. Yeah. The so still, the, there's still the theme of him almost, being tangled up. I say the cords are still a character. <laughs> so, it's like great. New York City. Right. It's, it's like it's Sex in the City. That's right. It's a, you it's know, a are character. You a, a Samantha <laughs> or a Carrie... <laughs> Yeah, no. it's just them in a it's just them in a white room, <laughs> banging the song out. But and there, there's uh, there's like produ- production assistants running around in yeah. the background. Yeah, makeup yeah. application here and there. Yeah, it was great. It's yeah. very off the cuff. It's one one shot, one take. But that wasn't the original concept for that that video. They oh. did actually shoot a video that. Did anybody dress up like a cop in this video? Uh, was no. it was a teenager tortured again? Uh, no, from what I re- <laughs> from what I read about this particular video, it was done in a cave, and there was like a. A little person involved. <laughs> of course. Yeah, exactly. So back I mean, when they were fetishized before Peter Dinklage came and 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 and, and provided what? the resistance. Yeah, <laughs> what the resistance? The resistance. Uh, what was the name of that lost track you were telling me about earlier? Sex Dwarf. Sex Dwarf. No, Sex Dwarf is a is a soft sell song. Sex it is, oh, okay. but they covered it and it was never oh. released. Oh, okay, yeah, it's a great song. You okay. should listen to it. It's, it's soft sell. Yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. fucking rad. But that's yeah. but, that's Heather music. <laughs> that's Heather talking through me. <laughs> um, but you know, if I wasn't like, okay, so here I am, Jimmy Iovine, Trent Reznor just passes me the album, 
and I'm looking through it, and I'm asking him, what do you want to do for your leadoff single? And he picks March of the Pigs. I don't know how radio is really going to respond to March of the Pigs. At the time, though, radio was taking more risks than it's ever taken before. Okay. I would actually say, I mean, a year later, what? Uh, this is the height of grunge and alternative. Yeah. No, this is the height of grunge. Sure. And going yeah. into alternative. And you could scream on a single. Well, this is yeah. um, Mr. Professor, but isn't this the year that Kurt Cobain killed himself? It was. Okay. It was. I didn't mention right. that. Okay. It was Beck's Loser was a hit song. Yeah. I mean, sure. Yeah. There's odd yeah. songs. Yeah. But I mean, a year later, uh, I mean... Um, uh, the uh, Smashing Pumpkins, um, uh, Butterfly, Butterfly Wings would be a big hit, and he's screaming that whole song. Like, it's no, a but loud, the melody is so catchy. That didn't come out this until 1996. No uh, okay, two years later, my bad. Yeah. What year did that come out? I think 95. I think mm-hmm. that was fall 95. Um, That's but... going to be our third season. <laughs> Just that album. Oh, speaking of which, I informed uh, uh, Stephen today that Billy Corgan had a interview with Joe Rogan. I don't listen to Joe Rogan, whatever. I'm neither here nor there. But he actually comes off as a pretty normal individual. So that was kind of surprising. Interesting. But I don't know. Uh, anyhow. William Corgan. William Corgan. Just don't put him He's on a Disneyland ride. I know. <laughs> and he actually talks about the okay, Disneyland okay. stuff. That's okay. funny. Um, but anyways... Um, so, this, so March of the Pigs, I mean, like, it has, it's just a blast of fury. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, good, thing I, good thing I, I know those people. Just to get through this really quick, there's a, there's a remix of March of the Pigs on here, which, this is the preferred version live. Yeah. This is the, the one the, that, the, 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 this, the, okay, so. All the pigs all lined up. March of the Pigs, we're, we're back, we're Nine Inch Nails, hello. And then track two is Reptilian. Reptile which remix. is a good, which is a good reptile remix, and I like the fact that right before you get that you don't know the original version of that song, you only get the remix on the album. Right, that's right. Which I yeah. think is cool. Yeah. Um, without hearing the what's actually come out, you just get this remix, and the remixes on this album, they're not like the uh, pretty Chop, chops and screwed. Fixed. They're not. Yeah, they're not <laughs> right. like the, they're not like the pretty hate machine. <laughs> Uh, this it sounds just like the original song with like a, a an extra like hi 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 hat or yeah. something. And then it's yeah. not like fixed where it's just noise. These are actually these are like fully realized yeah. good like songs. things and, and like reptilian. Followed, they could have been put on the album and I wouldn't have noticed. It follows yeah. the structure of the song. All the lyrics are in there, um, and it's just extended instrumental parts. Uh, but it's dynamic. It's very very good. Who who did the remix of reptilian? Oh, I think all of this was done by. In house, I don't think that they mm. had any. Dave, sort of I think Dave, look it Dave Ogilvy started getting involved around this time. God damn and it, who is Dave Ogilvy? Dave Ogilvy was uh, was at least the engineer for Skinny Puppy. Was he actually? I mean, he was. The, he was he, never in the band. He was the though. unofficial like fifth member though. Like he was always um, fourth member. Engineer. And thank you. <laughs> we always have one thing we're not prepared about. Uh, Dave Rave Ogilvy. By right, the way. right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, I thought friends could only call him Rave, so I did. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the all the pigs all lined up. It's it's it, it's it's a slight remix. It's basically well, no, it's 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 a complete re-recording because the original version is some crazy time signature like six ten, and all the pigs all lined up is in four four. Okay. So I mean, that's a big deal. Like they completely re-recorded the drum track. They added an extra beat to it. It's in, that beats the, in there, and then there's there's an extra like disco keyboard yeah. thrown in. And they throw in there's, audience sounds. There's like, audience sounds. There's yeah. more pig sounds. I think. Yep. There's a lot more pig sounds. But then the most important part is that awesome outro, right? Where you think the song's over, and as he doesn't, it make you feel, don't you 
feel something, something, and then yeah. the guitars. Dun, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's they do the outro. So live. Good. They might do the song. The rest of the song might be March of the Pigs live, I think. And they end. And then they all add the pigs lined up. with all yeah. the pigs all lined up. Yeah, it's great. It's a great remix. It's, it's, and so it, then it goes into a violent fluid. Which is that a remix of anything, or is that just kind of a cool instrumental thing? I think cool it's a cool instrumental. Instrument. I think it's like a left, like a, it's a leftover loop from Reptile or something. Okay, okay, because it's 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 great. It's great. And that's that's yeah. the but first. But it is it is a loop, and it's only like a minute and a half. That's the first. That's the right. first instrumental Nine Chill yeah. song. Yeah, it's a loop, and and actually Apex Boom provide a very similar song in a later remix. And further down the spiral, we'll talk about yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then underneath the skins, another Reptile. it's a more bombastic, all, it, spacey, and it's all dubby. It's all instrumental with some vocal yeah. samples, but it's not like Reptilian where it's the full song sung. It's it's mostly instrumental. Boom, 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 yeah. boom, 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 boom. Yeah. yeah. So so that's twenty seven minutes, and it's a wonderful single. A hell of a lot better I really, than fixed. I really, yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> as much as I apologize, I'm a, I'm a fixed apologist. I would say the remixes. And this one are better than anything on fixed. It's nah, if you if fixed. you were absolutely if you were of of age at the time when you were following these things as they came out, that probably would have really excited you yeah. and held you over until the downward spiral. And actually, when I three this, whole weeks, this three whole week, weeks this week when I listened to both again, I did start with this one before I listened to downward spiral, and I really liked the experience. Hmm. So, listeners at home, I would uh, ask you to seek out March of the Pig. It almost it, pump, it pumps you up. Yeah, yeah it does pump for you the up. downward yeah. spiral. Yeah. yeah, yep, and it makes you appreciate it more. Like you'll hear things you never. Heard before in Reptile and Mark the Pigs. If you listen to these first. Well, overall, overall with this album, I guess when you're listening to something for a, to report on it, you hear things you didn't hear before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I swear I pulled things out of this album that I've heard literally a hundred times. Yeah. That I never heard before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I also, I did, I did for sure. I also have to say now as we get it's into, a grower, not a shower. As we get into the down <laughs> spiral, I don't know if I'm just giving in or if I, I don't know. All of a sudden, I'm like, you know, he's not as bad of a lyricist as I thought. Right. And you know... I think it's just he's maturity. Not, I don't even think he's as bad of a singer as I thought. No. I used to think... That the, I, I still think the weakest part of Nice Nails are the vocals, but that might just be because the rest of it's so great. Right. You know? And on this album, like, some of it, listening to it again, I was like, oh, that doesn't sound well, nearly as... Once he once he stepped away from from all heartbreak songs... Yeah, you could be self-centered, but also tell a bigger story, which is what he did here, and it was fine. And like I, the, the lyrics didn't take me out of the song. And I, I, I didn't know. I didn't think you know. There's still a lot of these songs still have the perspective of I, right? But it wasn't nearly as self-centered as I remembered it being, right? Or <clears throat> it's not. I mean, even though it's, it's the universal called, I, even though it's called the, <laughs> the the downward spiral, I don't think it's a. I don't think it's like a pity me album or anything. Not at all. It's uh, not at all. No, it's good. All right. So, so then we, you get you get so. We put this album on, and I don't even know what the hell I was expecting when I first heard it, but it sounds like somebody's being punched in the head. And, it starts off with... Uh, Mr. Self-Destruct. That's right. And yeah. I, apparently... I always thought it was a punching bag. It's it a so. sample... I thought from, it was someone getting butt-fucked, I mean... Do you know what it's from? <laughs> of I, course you did, after your experience with after Steve <laughs> showed All right. you. So. All right, let's not, let's not get put on, you know, under the, the uh, Smodcast umbrella. Um... Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> it's from THX uh, eleven thirty. By our friend and uh, I've never friend seen of that. the pod, uh, George Lucas. Oh yes, George Lucas, a <laughs> friend of the podcast. I've never seen that movie. Is that is that any good? Is that it's actually it? pretty good. As Robert Duvall, it's uh, it's heady stuff. Um, uh, I think you'd enjoy it. Okay. I think you'd enjoy okay. it. It's not. I as... think uh, Shelley Duvall's in it too. 
It's, it's not as good as the prequels, but you know what it is. Hey man, it's not as good as the Star Wars one. prequels. <laughs> yeah. Oh god, That's not <laughs> they killed younglings in that one. That's I don't know if you heard. That's edgy. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's uh, that's the opening track there. Oh, so yeah. good. And so good. It, it has that Lennox likes that song. Does Mr. Self-Destruct? Yeah, yeah. Does he know what they're talking about? Nope. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. And <laughs> as, as, as you get into it, the guy's getting beat, and then all of a sudden, the sample ends, and you just hit the ground running with this, like... Power charge song. That I don't... I don't even, so fucking good. It's, I, it's I, just... Yeah. It's just fast and hard. Yeah, yeah. And if you're listening to this, you might think, I was like, oh, this is an industrial song. Like, this is another ministry album. Right. Yeah. You don't, exactly. you, you that, don't know. You don't that know is the only from. song out here that has ministry tones to it, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, the, uh, it's great. The, it, has, even, uh, it slows down in the middle and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden just like explodes back up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's just... I am an exit. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, I, the, the, the part where it, 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 you hit the ground running. And I can't even describe like it sounds. It really does sound like the. It's good that the opening sample sounds like a guy getting punched in the head, because then the beat in this song, like, what is that? It, it's like a continuous, just like a speed bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have that guitar that goes. Yeah. And. Uh, <coughs> yeah. Mr. Midway through, you get all quiet, <clears throat> and then you have the. Ah, is it what I am the exit? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I control you. And yeah. then the. Uh, what is it? I that I am the truth from which you run. Line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm the mm-hmm. voice. And yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so it's good. fantastic. And I, I used to think I used to think these lyrics were terrible, but now I really I enjoy them. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, no, they're great. No, I, I take cool. I take you where you want to go. I uh, give you all you need to know. I drag you down. I use you up, Mister Self Destruct. Yeah, I don't think they've ever played this song live. No, I'm <laughs> not this again. Um, no. <laughs> let me find out. But what I do like about this track is that it's just it's it's. It is like, you know, I did say earlier that March of the Pigs is great because it's like, oh, it's broken, continued. This isn't broken, continued, but it's just as aggressive as any song. Up right, there. right. And then at the end there, believe it or not, that is uh, all the overlayered guitars there. That is a, that's one of the things they pulled an Adrian uh-huh. Blue for. That is that really? And like, it sounds, and when you think of it, man, it just sounds like when the, the, the guitars are down, 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 down. That sounds like. A mid-era King Crimson song. King Crimson really is into the like layering. So we didn't actually layering riffing. Uh, Adrian Blue really that much. Uh, do you want to give a little background? Oh on yeah, that? that's uh, Adrian Blue. He is brought on, him in on this album. This is the first. Yeah, time. I, he's yeah. on. He's on. Yeah, he comes. He comes in later on some stuff. And so by Adrian the Blue way, is from King Crimson. A lot of progressive. They stuff. They played Mister Self Destruct 164 times. Oh yeah, no, I was a joke. So. Uh, <laughs> Adrian, Adrian Blue, yes, he's from King Crimson, who's a big influence on Trent Reznor. Mm-hmm. And uh, primarily, well, actually, yeah, uh, Robert Fripp's on much of the, Robert Fripp's on a lot of the best Bowie albums. Sure. Adrian Blue, and I hope I'm not wrong about this, I believe is on Scary Monsters. I think it's still Robert Fripp. Not, either they're both on it or Adrian Blue's on, Blue's on it. Maybe. Uh, I know Robert Fripp is definitely Can you look this on up, Eric? Scary mm-hmm. Monsters. Adrian Blue's on some Bowie stuff. And uh, he said, hey, you know what? I think I need Adrian Blue for this album. And he called him up and he happened to be in L.A. at the time, so he's here. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the tracks he's on. And I always assumed of some spots where he was, and I was wrong, this is one of them, though, is the, the end of Mr. Self-Destruct. And much like some of the uh, timing on the Broken album, where I know exactly when it's going to... Robert Fripp. On Scary Monsters? 
So Robert Fripp is on Scary Monsters. Yeah. Is Adrian Blue on... Uh, Any David Bowie? Station to Station? <laughs> <laughs> no, I still think it's Robert Fripp. Or, like, who's the I'm other I'm telling guy? you that Fripp's the, on the, Belo- the, the Berlin Trilogy and Scary Monsters, I guess. I don't know, Adrian man. Blue is on... He's on Station to Station, then. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you. Or maybe it's Carlos Alomar. I think it's Carlos, Carlos Alomar. Who's a great guitar player. Unsung hero, that Carlos Yeah, Alomar. that's who I was thinking of. Anyway, um, so I know exactly... When you've heard this song enough times, even though those guitars... It's a it's a volcano of guitars at the end of this track. Yep. Crashing down upon you. I know exactly when they end. And then it gets into a song that's in my nine inch nails Nintenathon, Pantheon, <laughs> which is Piggy. Sure. Oh, which is yeah. one of my all time favorite Nine Inch Nails songs. <clears throat> that's really as, surprising. As a t te- I'm gonna get to something here. Sure. As a teenager, I thought it was really outside the box to slow things down this much mm-hmm. and play just kind of like a jazzy mm-hmm. you know that's like to me to for my limited my limited knowledge at that time I thought that it was mind blowing that he would have done that any any like that is anybody making like a mixtape like the best track to is Piggy because like it's it's engaging from the very beginning it's got it's got emotional beats throughout the whole thing but it takes it down a notch in you know, aggression, and it's 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 yeah, it's, it's very simple. For most of the songs, just bass and drums, even though the drums go fucking nuts towards the end. You know who's drumming there? Who's that? That's Trent Reznor. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. one of the few yeah. times on the album he plays the drums. Yeah, he does great. Yeah, and it's just those drums, the drum. So the drums, you get you get through the you get through the album, and then the drums. Yeah, that part where it pauses. And you get that, yeah, But then the pause between the drums kick back in. It's amazing. Like they rest for a second, and they go, and then it's a few more, a few more little lyrics there, and dun dun dun, and then just a tornado of drums. And it's because it seems like two layered drum tracks, right? I mean, it's like actual, like yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, that's why he's always had two drummers. I hate to be the dick to bring this up, but um, you know, very reminiscent of some great pig face songs. <laughs> That's close. You know, okay. it's just bass and drums. Here's yeah, the deal. Yeah. I, 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 I tried I, to give uh, pig face suck a whirl. Uh, it didn't take. Yeah, didn't the song take. itself. You don't get it. Yeah, yeah. You don't I like get that it. song. Yeah, yeah, um, it's not the whole album. It's that song's okay. Oh man, when the I don't guitar know, and the tape loops come in. Like I was like, yeah. You know what's happened since our last in the chronology of Nine Inch Nails is he went on record about pig face. Oh, and so some one interview I read, and he he really didn't like how he liked the project and he loved working with the guys. Yeah, but he felt like the promoters tried to make him too big big of part of it. Okay, yeah, because he's only on one song, and he was only able to show up for occasional shows. Yeah, but they build him as being on it the whole tour. Yeah, that's and so yeah, rumors would be like, oh, yeah. Yeah. A... I'd be pissed about that too. Yeah, yeah. That's a great song. But yeah, yeah Pig... Uh, so... You know, know, I, but then, I will so talk the, about this next episode, but I prefer the remix to the original, and I love the original. That's the next episode. Of, yeah. uh, which one are we talking about here? Are the we Ru- talking Ruben about Piggy? Remake, the Re- Rick Ruben, Ruben remix of Piggy. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Got it. Um, you know, uh, when I was looking into this particular song, apparently Richard Patrick, not Robert Patrick, the sure. G1000, sure. um, <laughs> apparently his nickname was Piggy. And so, like, yeah, looking maybe. at this particular song... Uh, I don't know if this is a song geared towards it could be about him leaving. Richard Patrick huh. leaving because my little piggy needed something new. 
Yep. Oh, jeez. Uh, uh, all of my fears came true. You left me here. I'm all alone. My little piggy needed something new. Exactly. It seems so. a little dramatic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> seems, uh, like, I thought. Yeah, I thought we were done with the bad love song. I guess yeah. it could be, but that seems. So but I just. Uh, but I mean, maybe. <laughs> but then saying nothing can stop me now means I'm going to do this without you. Right. But I then mean, you know the uh, the bass line, the the da 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 da. I, da, da, da. I feel great. like I feel like there needs to be a connection between this and March of the Pigs, I mean, with Pig being in two songs in a row. Sure, and also, I mean, uh, it's a little on the nose, but uh, Lay Pig is the studio. Lay Pig is the studio, and um, during the Manson murder that occurred at the Tate House, they um, wrote they scrawled Pig, pig on, on the, the wall. door. Yeah. Now I've always loved this song, as I said, yeah. but then when um, the second time I saw Nine Inch Nails in <laughs> Marysville, California. Or is it Wheatland? Uh, <coughs> Marysville. Is it what, are they the same place? Out, out there in the sticks. Yeah. Yeah. We saw Nine Inch Nails. Sure, and uh, I, got, I got up front. And during this... Uh, to 19-year-old to Steve at the time. During this song... Uh, <laughs> during the Nothing Can Stop Me Now part of the end. I got to the front and Trent Reznor held my hand for, uh, oh! for a little bit. And if you're 19 years old, well, that's pretty cool. Oh man! So, yeah, I, I always remember that moment. And then uh, after that concert, even though I wasn't drinking at that time, I was so overpowered, or maybe it was just exhausted. I vomited in the parking lot, oh, and someone yeah. walked by me and said, "That's rock and roll, man. That's <laughs> rock and roll." <laughs> so Trent Reznor may have made me puke, <laughs> or it's a coincidence. You know, but, uh, I, I, was had, during Piggy. I had a chance to meet the man uh, during the With Teeth years, uh, during a sound check, and uh, yeah, it was definitely one of those uh, situations where I didn't realize it was happening until it happened, so. Did you meet him? I did meet him. I shook his hand. I think you told me that before. I'll do that one. But he wasn't singing to you at the time. He wasn't singing to me at the time, yeah. So mine's better. Yep. <laughs> you beat me. I didn't puke, though. <laughs> oh. What if you puked on him like President Bush? <laughs> yeah, that would have been a... Good callback to last episode. <laughs> that would have sealed the deal. <laughs> so, so hearsay. Right. Her- heresy. Heresy. Oh, that's three. That's right. That's three. Steve, Steve doesn't know English. Um, <laughs> hearsay is what you uh, potentially hear. Honestly, like, I didn't... Heresy is something you... Now, see, I thought that this... Tra- so when I was a teenager, I thought this was like, oh, man, this song is sticking it to my mom. <laughs> And oh, then yeah. when I was a little older, I was like, it's a little much. And then as I got a little older, I was like, no, nah, it's actually, it's kind of dead on. Yeah. Um, I actually didn't listen to it on the album a little bit at, because I wasn't like religious, but at the same time, I kind of like didn't know. And I, I actually felt like the song was fucking dangerous at the time. <laughs> like I really did feel that way. I felt like, I felt like even though like I wasn't personally like religious a lot of my family was and stuff, and I, I just like okay, not yet. Wow, <laughs> you just skip it. I sometimes. No, I, I've this, actually grown to love it. This song probably I've grown to love it, it. Probably you know this right. Nanny Christ superstar probably has all of to do with my atheism. Yeah, so <laughs> it's, yeah. it's stuck with me. No, and it's, have you heard the like uh, what Trent Reznor has said about this particular song about no. what? So, 
in an interview, I don't know if his mind has changed on, on this particular matter, but this song, uh, with specifically the lyric that says that he made a virus that would kill off all the swine. Mm-hmm. Um, pigs again. Pigs and uh, disease. Yes, exactly. Frequently. You know, it's interesting, but and it's obviously, bugs. this was 94... Um, I don't, I'm not sure when the movie Philadelphia came out, but this oh, is probably when right AIDS. Right around then, right around like '93, I think is Philadelphia. Right. Yeah. So this is kind of largely around the whole AIDS scare, yeah. and that he was not as sexually liberated as he could be because of all. I don't know. I saw the thin video. It seemed pretty sexually liberated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I don't. I, I think he. Uh, I don't. Was know. either misquoted or. I don't know. It I came feel, out wrong. I, I, yeah, I mean, honestly, like on the face of it, I think this is more of, in terms of the thematic concept of everything, this is a guy who's rejecting religion and, um, you know, because people sometimes will rely on religion for the crutch to make them feel like everything is okay. And and this is, I think, a rejection of all that. Well, at the end, when I go over my three-part play, which, oh, God. <laughs> which is what this album falls into, this is definitely in the first act. Where all the angers turn outwards toward the problem with society, and this is the the religious well, part of that, which you, is which was everywhere, way few, more than it is now. Few things I love about this song: one is God is dead and no one cares, and if there is a hell, I'll see you there. I thought so that was fucking teenager. I thought so it was so good. cool to teenager, but now like it's one of those things where like well, superhero comics, you get out of them, and then when you come yeah. back and you love them twice as yeah. much. Yeah. With this, I'm like, oh man, if I can bet, put that song on, I'm like, yep, yep, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, really, just right. Yeah. And then uh. And unlike uh, happiness and slavery, which can make me feel tired, um, this <laughs> is no problem. No, you know, the music I'll, in this is amazing. Yeah. Well, there's yeah. there's a couple other things going on this track. Um, yeah, it starts out with that great the uh, the 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 he his eyes shut line. The effect he uses on his vocals sounds like he's kind of like underwater a little bit. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah. I really like the part that there's a pause in between, excuse me, the first chorus in the next verse where a groovy guitar lick comes in and goes, Oh, sure. Oh. So there's the groove guitar that, I, you know, every once in a while Trent wants to throw in the fact that he's a Kiss fan, there's the groove guitar. And um, then towards. No, he loves his funk when, it, when he needs to. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then towards the, uh, the his perfect kingdom of killing, suffering, and pain line, there's a great layering of his vocals on there that I love. That uh, is there, that happens a couple of times this album where he he, he layers a more melodic uh, delivery of the vocal underneath his screaming vocals. No, I love that. Yeah, yeah. this one it's, it's you yeah. have to really listen for yeah. it, but it, yeah, it's it's off time when he does it and it's it's even a better delivery than his main yeah. chorus. And, and I love that he doesn't put that forefront either. It's back there. Yeah, so the the remastered version has the demo of this song on it, which you can really hear a lot of the those demo so those three demos on there and we'll get to the other two. Yeah. Um, the demo for this, he takes away the vocal effects. Right. And he, um, it sounds those three demos. I don't know when they were recorded, but they sound like they could have been recorded right after Pretty Hate Machine, and they were left. Yes, they were left yes. aside. Right until he started. It does sound like it does sound like he did them all on keyboards. It's muddy, so it's not compressed or anything. It's hip hop, and then a lot like of them every are. now and then he'll like, oh, I got a guitar idea for this. I'm gonna lay it down. 
but then in the final version, you find out there's a guitar throughout the whole thing. Yeah. But during these demos, he just put him in when he thought it was necessary. But mostly, it's all just synthesizers. Yeah, vocally um, on this particular version of the demo and uh, the, uh, the one that was featured in the 10th anniversary deluxe edition. Um, so there was Ruiner, uh, Reptile, and Heresy that they featured with the demo versions. All three, well, this one in particular and Ruiner, they really have the vocals that was very reminiscent uh, that Skinny Puppy would use. Right. You know, like really heavily distorted. Sure. Um, and it's you really have to listen closely to see what was being right. said. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's very muddy too. The production is very muddy, as you would expect from a demo. Mm -hmm. But uh, I never knew these existed until like literally a year ago. So when I found these, I was so excited. Yeah, it's a very fun find for listeners. So if you can find the remastered Downward Spiral, uh, there's a lot of other stuff on there that you can find on other albums. But these demos never released before and very cool. You know, there's another there's another off time delivery that I really like at the very end where it's the God is dead. Yeah. Your God yep. is dead. Yeah, in the back. Yeah. Yeah. and no one. It's yeah. the guy. Yeah. Really, really indignant <laughs> delivery. I think I just said another Saturday. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, another Saturday. I think that was. So this, uh, yeah. So that, so that, that song's kind of intense in its own way. Yeah. It has a it, it has a couple of moments in it where it gets into yeah. some industrial yeah. grooves. Yeah. And they throw in some, some synths that sound like uh, the good old fashioned factory pipes. Yeah. And there's some bug drone kind of things going on, and. Uh, then you just take a breath, and then you get into March of the Pigs again. Which is not a breath, because that, yeah. <laughs> that just cranks up the intensity. So we talked about March of the Pigs a little bit. Cool. Now, it was a good song to use because it could have came from Broken. And I think... I mean, it just the, hits you with the, those drums, the, like that, that crazy drum beat. Duke. The track yeah. listing, the sequencing in this album is perfect. It's, it's, yeah, it it's, really is. With the exception of a song I'd throw away that we'll get to later. It's, it's perfect. Eh, well... We'll, we'll get to it. We'll get there. <laughs> but so, March of the Pigs. Eric Henderson, the defender of everybody's least Back favorite. To, and, and March of the Pigs is also just a. I really, it really gets my blood going. So good. Um, they so played this song like seven hundred times live. Yeah, which is I'm sure it's, it's a lot. I'm sure it's, a good line it's, it's 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 almost played every time. Yeah, I'm sure that ever since the Downward Spiral has come out, they they played this song yeah. live. I mean, um, yeah. one thing I didn't know, which makes sense now, the drums for this song, they recorded. They recorded drum beats, live drums, and then they played them through a keyboard and they play the drums in the song on the keyboard. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. When you think about that weird-ass drum beat, it makes sense that's how they play yeah, it. Yeah, because, yeah, that, that the, this original, this version on the album is not some fucking crazy... Like, that's why it makes sense. It, 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 it makes sense. It's, it's, like, it's, it's a keyboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a key... It's not a drum machine. It's a keyboard playing drums. Right, yeah. This particular yeah. song... Uh, Watching the live video mm -hmm. and uh, watching some of the live performances on Closure, it gave me so much respect for Chris Vrenna, who was the touring drummer uh, for Nine Inch Nails at the time. And of course, at that time, I thought that Chris Vrenna was uh, Trent Reznor's right-hand man. Right. Right? It seemed like it, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is a solid song. Solid song. Um, I mean, it's uh, pretty basic in its framework, um, but it's, I just, uh, I just love the. Well, I love anything that goes loud, to the quiet. That's why Mogwai's one of my favorite bands. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it goes quiet, quiet in a way that's like oh, this is pleasant, and all of a sudden, bam! It yeah. just and also like, it's it just the there's some head. reoccurring motifs. But doesn't it make you feel better? Piano melody. Yeah. It sounds like it could be the same lounge singer that was singing Piggy Doo two songs ago. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I just think that really holds it, it holds yeah. the room together, man. Yeah. It's a good rub. Yeah. <laughs> And then, and then, so we already have kind of gone over this track quite a bit. It kind of, in two and a half minutes, it really does a lot to you. Yeah. And then the end there, and, you know, 
One of my favorite transitions of all time is the end of March of the Pigs and the pause you get before you get the pulsating, uh, what is it, valve from Closer. Right. Yeah. Now, Closer is one of the greatest pop songs of all time. <laughs> yeah, I really I'm glad, we're, I'm I mean, glad we all like it because when people talk shit about Closer, they can go fuck themselves. Well, here's the right. thing. Like, Closer, the reason I love this band so much, Closer, I, I heard that song and I was like, this is a really weird song to be on the radio. And it wasn't just because of the fucking like an animal line, which is, it's so over the top. It's so bad, it's good. Yeah, the production on it's, this song it's, though it's such a, it's is got such so good. Son- like I was thinking, like while I was listening, it was like sonically, like this, this song might be musically the most, like perfect on the album. It's so good. Yeah, it's yeah. Good. And no, putting and it right in the mid, it, putting it almost in the middle of the album makes perfect yeah. sense. Yeah, because it, it really is a good good centerpiece of everything he's doing elsewhere in the album. Right, in one song. Right. And this is obviously the song that created Nine Inch Nails to be this massive, massive hit. Yeah, and there's this funky bass line. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's catchy as shit. Yeah, I mean, it is. it's catchy. And, 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 and uh, it goes from, yeah, that's like deep, almost trip hoppy drum beat. Right. With a funky bass line to like the grainy synths. And then like that, just sad. Yeah, there's kids some, piano at the end. It's just like it's got a lot. Of, it's got a lot going on. That, yeah. that first sample is so weird to me. Uh, there's also or actually, what are they sample in the? Uh, they sample uh, Iggy Pop. Which and one? what song? Nightclub. There you Which go. One? Where? Which uh, no, it's the, the drum beat. The drum beat. Oh, that's. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Nightclub. Yeah. That's from that song. And just to hear the song, the like the the pace of the song is so weird to hear on the yeah. radio at the time. Yeah, it's very slow. And yeah. there's so many weird songs in it. There sounds in it. You're right. Like the, the um, like you hear like this like like this yeah. high pitched yeah. like thing going well, on. There's the underwater bomp, piano bomp, sound. Wamba bomp. That weird. Yeah. Right. Bomp, bomp. Yeah. Wamba bomp. And then the dun 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 that that sound. Yeah. Would you and say then, this is then, his version then, of Thunder Road or Born to Run? I like Thunder Road. <laughs> but then, then, but then, when you have that second verse, the you, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, you, you can't have my absence. You can't. You can't. Yeah, that. The uh, you. What is it? Find me the lyrics. You can have my isolation. When it yeah. gets to that second verse, so, you can have my isolation. You've got that other drum beat yeah. that kicks in. Right. Yeah. And I this. I was thinking. I was like, oh, he's delivering this. He, he actually slightly, he delivers things a little bit differently throughout some of these songs that I really appreciate. Yeah. Um, There's some gross, sexy lyrics in there. <laughs> sure. But that's why it became a stri- stripper song. <laughs> but yeah, it really but, but, did. I mean, this song was made yeah, for the yeah, stripper pole. Yeah. But, but then, I mean, that's all but, preamble to the amazingness sure. is the, the build up and release of the end of the song. Yeah, that's my favorite so part. Yeah. That, more of that crescendo, like yeah, after the, that the, every forest the, 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 trees. You got, you see that, and that's that. That's the part that stands out. Yeah. The the bam 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 bam. But it, but then the closer the, no, theme the, that would come the, back later before that oh. is the 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 drums that kick in at the yeah. end yeah are just overpowering yeah like they they knock you on your ass no I mean like for those people who just kind of discredit or. Uh, throw away Nine Inch Nails just based on this song. Like that's they're ridiculous. not it's a... getting the whole picture because I, I mean the production 
is so amazing. Yeah. It's so amazing. Like this particular song, listening it to Jesus. on headphones. As I think about it, I think and then there's the buds guitar that go wow down. Yeah. Wow! Now at the end, it's just they just keep piling stuff on. Yeah, no, that's this and whole then, album is like and then, and it's then, like they they slowly build, and then what you think is the melody becomes this background noise, while a new thing becomes the new melody. That's like the right. basic like, those, algorithm for the are whole those, album. Are those counter melodies? I, I don't know <laughs> yeah. how things work anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, before we go on from this out, uh, this particular song, huge, huge hit. Yeah, it was had a video that accompanied it, directed yeah. by Mark yeah. Romanek. Yeah, yeah. Great, great video. video. A great video. But you know, I think when people, you know, they they see the lyric, they hear the lyrics, then they see the video. I mean, if I wasn't into Nine Inch Nails or into kind of the aesthetic of what industrial music is you would see like this is just trying too fucking hard mm. to be edgy you know what i'm saying well like, what's not so the video well, like it breaks it down i think it's a fantastic yeah. video like, in 1994 though i think it was almost it was trying to be edgy i guess but it, it was, was also kind of otherworldly there's some weird shit going yeah. on there but I mean, you know a fucking play video i mean that's a what's that fucking subtle i well <laughs> here's the thing though like i think with the uh closer video i think that i mean all of that could be influenced in in uh actual modern art you know yeah. I, I can't off the top of my head cite any of the artists that it was probably influenced by i mean i'm sure salvador dali sure. or whatever it is yeah um, uh, whatever yeah. it is what what artist specializes in bugs crawling around? Yeah, or like decapitated, well, well uh, like pigs' heads, heads and, um, yeah. and then you've got sure. naked people, sure. yeah, yeah, um, yeah, holding or like the a whole, cow's uh, tongue. Was that with the braids that were attached, or was that perfect drug video? <laughs> that might have been the perfect drug video. Mark Romanek. Hey, Mark Romanek's problem here. But then, so, but famously, you've got that. Piano melody at the end, yeah, which yeah. Will, will which resurfaces later. The underwater piano, yeah, which we think is in this and in, in the downward spiral track, shows up again in, in in hesitation marks and actually shows up in one track on short bus by Filter, which I think they're they're making fun of Nine Inch Nails in one song, maybe on that. But that was that. What song was that? Oh, it's what it's off. Of, is it off the title of the record? Oh God, it might be like. Uh, what was their fucking song? White like that. Man, we talk a lot about filter in this podcast. I know that's too much filter. White like that. We don't even like filter. White like that. I think it was that. Um, but you know, I the, think you like um, no gerbil. It was gerbil. You like filter more than you know. It was the song gerbil, and I think they did. They completely ripped off the melody. And then they like break a guitar. It's only at the beginning, but they do do it in that. So that part. For one thing, there's two parts in the song where Trent Reznor's uh, spinning and suspended. Yeah. So there we are. He's tangled up or suspended in the air sure, again. Sure, sure. He's doing that again. Yeah. Then he plays that piano part, which is great. He's floating. And uh, um, you know where he got that piano sound yes, from, right? Yes, And that's where I'm going with this. Okay. Is that part of my... Uh, there? There's uh, M2 used to have these videos. Yeah. These little, I'm glad you remember that. Little clips. Yeah. Where it would show, like, hey, here's an artist you like talking about stuff they like. Yeah. And he talked about how the piano sound came. Oh, he's like, yeah, I, you know, Scary Mo- or uh, Ashes to Ashes. Yeah. The bom, bom, bom. Oh, yeah. Boom, boom. That piano sound, the underwater piano sound, he was influenced for this. Sure. And I definitely, I was already kind of a casual Billy fan, but I was like, oh, I got to get into more David no, Bowie. Fucking oh, yeah. And I, 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 I can, that was the gateway. I can definitely trace my Bo- my David Bowie love of a lifetime back yeah, to nice that sense. commercial. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm I mean, sure if Terrence would do that, he'd be happy. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then, of course, uh, they toured together. Yeah. You know, on the second leg of this. I saw, and I will talk uh, about it in the next episode. <laughs> You've already talked about it enough. So, Closer fades into my personal uh, favorite Nine Inch Nails song, and I will say that Type on record. Number my, one? This is my number one with a bullet. I, I, I lean away from it for last every now and then, but really my favorite is Ruiner. Really? Yeah, I mean, Ruiner starts with a uh, a kind of hip hoppy drum beat, but then like the samples, you hear like pigs or something. It just, it's, it's, it's where Nine Inch Nails was at the time. It was like, over layered with weird animal samples, nature samples, over a kind of new and fresh beat. Um, it's a dark song with a lot of noise, a lot of guitars, and then this bridge in the middle with the guitar solo. Anyways, that's I, I love it. It's, it's 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 it is the one song that has everything I love about Nine Inch Nails perfectly done. Well, it opens up with the Miami Vice. <laughs> well, no, no, no. It opens up with the drum beat. But yeah, the yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's great. That's that's. I think I love it. And then I, I, I the delivery. I love the delivery of the lyrics. Um, well, that, that, that's funny. That, that part's kind of like the the, the verse is the he kind of he kind of speaks to it. You think you had all of them, right? Didn't you? Yeah. Didn't you? And then it goes into the. It's kind yeah. of the, it's a hip hop thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, when it gets past that, when it gets to the. Uh, Wearing the in my fucking world, wearing your disease, it gets into those horns. Yeah. Oh, the fucking oh, epic. Yeah, that's right. The, the yeah. epic horns. Yeah. Like, you can't even really tell their horns. Like when I speak of them, I have to look up because yeah. they yeah. create such a wall of sound. Yeah. It sounds like something a monolith is in fucking front of you. regal. Yeah. It's those regal. Horns happen, yeah. But then I those horns. It. Yeah. Those horns are blaring at you, and then it's got the little do 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 that little keyboard sound there, <laughs> right on top of it. And then when it goes back into the next verse, it kind of kicks up a, a, a beat and it adds a, a little, a, a little, little drum beat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, you know, it has a little part where it says, "Didn't you? Didn't you?" And they have this little like background voice go, "You, you, you, yeah. you." It's just <laughs> yeah. so great. Yeah, and then it has that fucking Pink Floyd. If there was one Pink Floyd moment on this album, it's that fucking bass guitar solo in the middle. And the, the yeah, you the, know, the groovy guitar solo. Actually, you know what's funny about doo, 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 when you mention Pink Floyd, it's not the guitar solo itself as the space around the guitar solo right. that reminds right. me of Pink Floyd. It, yeah, it sounds like there like, might be a dog howling in the background or something, and um, it's got that the, the bass slows it down. And then the guitar solo. That's I thought I always thought it was just like oh the guitar guy in the album they they had the Adrian Blue guy he must have did it. Now Trent Reznor played that solo. Yeah. Which, and like, he oh, did it as a fuck around too. Yeah, it's like oh, he loves the groove. That's right. <laughs> he he played it for Chris Verena, thinking Chris Verena was like, "That is the cheesiest fucking thing I've ever heard." <laughs> but Chris Verena was like, "That's fucking awesome." Yeah, I, I love it. All yeah. great. Uh, the greatest guitar moments are that way because right. that's how uh, "Sweet Child of Mine" was created. <laughs> See, is that that Slash had a goofy uh, little guitar lick he thought was a training exercise, and Axel said, "Hey man, we got to make a song." Yeah. Here we go. Boom. You know, and it's, uh, I, I do love this song. It's its really interesting to hear Trent comment on this particular song that he said this was 
uh, two songs kind of jammed together. Yeah. And he never really felt really confident about this particular song. But it's great. I mean, yeah. it's so catchy. I love that part in the song. My favorite part in this entire song is after his little guitar solo, how it... Um, it builds right back up into the actual main, right? Um, where it you didn't hurt really me. Really gets that, super industrial. Nothing can stop me now, and that and that is in its way. I didn't ever thought about it that way. That's that is like a change. It's like that could be its own song. Yeah. And it is the it is actually as much is devoted to you didn't hurt me. Nothing can hurt me. Nothing can stop me now. Right. As much is devoted to that as to the actual lyrics of the song. It's mm-hmm. yeah. It's clearly comes back, ties it back to piggy. Yep, yep, it does. It does. And there's, mean, and there's and there's disease references in here. There's like, a, it's, it is thematically. After the guitar solo. This song is thematically Nine Inch Nails. Like, this is everything. After, right oh, this era of Nine Inch Nails. Um, Fine. No, I'm just <laughs> yeah, saying. No, you're right, you're right. He ditches a lot of that stuff. Right. <laughs> but a- after it comes back from the guitar solo, and it goes back into the, uh, I think it just goes back, in, yeah, it goes back to the chorus, but he kind of speaks it, and there's this great, filter over the voice where it kind of sounds like he's being sucked out of the room while he mm-hmm. he says it I can't explain it Mark you should stick it into the uh, the post the the verse after the guitar solo or the the chorus after the guitar solo sure yeah but this is a, it's a great track and the the demo for it that's on the special yeah. edition really brings out the samples I love the animal yeah. samples the, the animal what do they noises on this one what's that what do they sample on this one uh, is it uh no, I'm thinking of the becoming, like where it starts off with like it sounds like a crowd of people screaming that as they're the running becoming. away. Yeah. Yes, and that's I'll get to what that's from. Um, um, I know what it's from. But yeah, maybe there's not that much samples on this one. There, but there, I mean, there's there's clearly like animal samples. On the there. opening titles from the Elephant Man. Oh, well. All right. Yeah. Go. Wouldn't have known. <laughs> the Elephant Man was blaring its trumpet. It it. That's the horns. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a great uh, that the the original oh. track again. It's more uh, beatboxy and uh, yeah. early '90s rapish. Yeah. Like that uh, the that that I'll be that honest. bridge in between the verse and the chorus is very yeah. much wrapped in the the demo. Yeah, when but the horns are still there. When I first heard this song, uh, I wasn't like blown away by it. It was this was the grower for me. Yeah. I've and, always and loved this song. Yeah. What what made you love it? Just I, I, like everything that's just, going on. I just kind of, of always changes. I felt like this was like the the true center of the album. It was that's everything. Closer. See, I kind of think the you becoming know, I think the becoming oh, is yeah. uh, well, I've always liked yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've liked this one I like I just like the pig sounds that happen with the drum beat. And I don't know, just all the lyrics referencing all the other songs, like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just the perfect... For me, yeah. like, uh, <laughs> the next two songs yeah. um, of how they're sequenced together and just how they really take you through so many different um, oh. ups and downs. Yeah. I, I mean, I love The Ruiner, don't get me wrong, I think it's a great song, but for me, like, it's in my top ten, but it would not crack my top five. So... Th- Steve said something, oh, I, and I'll let Steve say it again. No, I, was, I, I would say the Ruiner fits into the next two songs. No, I think I think Ruiner through the the Ruiner the Becoming and I Do Not Want This are a really good trilogy. Yeah, I think they they on album already sequenced perfectly. They flow together like nobody's business. Yeah. 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 So we go on to the Becoming. Which is always that, that's another one I've always liked. It's got those great God, I love that acoustic yeah. guitar at the end oh, of that song. It's got, it's got those great opening drums. The I 
Oh, yeah. Losing ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, uh... No, you're thinking of... That's... I do not want this. You're right. Yeah, no. Oh, the Bacom- um, yeah, the Bacom- I'm sorry. The Becoming starts I with... Oh, the God, the Becoming... beat my machine. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. beat my machine. The, Beca- the Becoming, no. And it starts with a... With that screaming. It's got, it's got cheap bleeding. It's got things grinding. Yeah. I beat my machine. <laughs> It's yeah, a part it's a, of me. Some of the best drum productions. It's inside of me. Yeah. Um, I know we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but in the still EP, um, man, that uh, version of uh, the Becoming is... With the big I can't grand, wait. Yeah, I can't wait to release Grand piano. Yeah, yeah, man, yeah. just beating away. But this one, it really, yeah. it really starts off with a lot going on, a lot of grinding and squealing and squelching. And... Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm sorry, but I actually like the Becoming a little bit more than Ruiner. Yeah. I think I, just the way his lyric delivery... Um, and just all of the instrumentation that's in the arrangements going on in this song, it just seems more fully figured out. Yeah, I think the, with Ruiner, I kind of agree with Trent Reznor on his comments where it seems like two songs mashed together. The, the, the part in this song I really like is so it opens up with all the grinding, and then the grinding continues, but as it goes into the second verse where it's the, uh, the all pain disappears... He uh, his delivery yeah. gets way oh, more yeah. melodic over and what's then going the, on. Good, da, 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 da. Yeah, it's a very yeah, it's a great song. I, I yeah. Always, yeah, I've always liked the becoming. That part where it goes a uh, hiding backwards inside of me, I feel so unafraid. Yeah. that's the part of yeah. the acoustic guitar. Yeah, and, and the next, the very next line. It has a Annie hold a little tighter, and yeah. I might just slip away. That was the first time he's actually said like a name in a song. Well, who's at Annie? This point. Uh, okay. Annie's from Twin Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What about Annie? How's Annie? Yeah. Um, from what I hear, like I guess it was some college uh, girlfriend okay. or something okay. like that. It won't give up. It wants me dead. Goddamn this noise inside my head. I thought that was so oh, cool. So good. Oh, yeah. So good. And it crossfades right into the next song. And it's the way the guitars. So. Steve, you had said that this almost feels like a trilogy of movies. Like, it could be its own, like, short film. Like, these three songs could make it. And mm-hmm. I and I do agree with that. Ruiner, through the becoming, through the next song. You know what's funny about the... Are you going to say something else? No, I was just going to say, like, I always love Ruiner and the Becoming. Uh, the next song... Before you <laughs> I, get there. I kind of always skipped. Oh, yeah. Uh, hold really? that I do not want this? Yeah. Hold yeah. yeah. Fuck, man. Oh, hold that thought. The Becoming is, whenever I'm using my cell phone too much, I think of... Uh, uh, us being addicted to technology and all that shit. I God really, damn this noise! I really feel like the you know <laughs> no, it's the nature of of my circuitry. Yeah, it yeah. talks about ignoring things and getting sucked yeah. into stuff. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's talking about looking at screens too much. Yeah, yeah. he's ahead of his time. That Trent Reznor. Well, maybe Andy's, Andy's a, uh, maybe Andy's one of his chat room girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing about the becoming, like, I just uh, you know, where you shut yourself off from emotion and you become more machine yeah. than man. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Even though I'm right with you, I'm so far away. That's like when you try to watch a movie with your wife and she won't get off the phone. Right? There you go. Yeah. Or vice go. versa. Yep. I've done it to her when we're trying to watch uh, This Is Us. <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, so the so next yeah. track. Wow, I'm really surprised. I, yeah. So we got Stephen Perkins on drums on this. So I, I've come around on it like I really do like it now. But uh-huh. at the time, like I always thought this was this was my low point on the album. Wow. I always thought like, so. I always yeah. resonated to this particular huh, interesting. song. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Why'd you like the song so much? Uh, I mean, I love it. 
It opens up with those those great drums. It's not bad. It's not bad. I, I think it, I, for I like, some I, reason I, I like drum, his singing I love, of "I Do Not Want This." I think that his singing and his lyrical delivery on that particular, um, I, I just there's a lot going on like him talk whispering like mm -hmm. half of the lyrics. Um, it just no, requires his, you to sit down and actually. When I listened to this today, I was like, "This is great," and, yeah. and I've and I've come to love this song. Yeah. But at the, at the time, for some reason, this was my. He's offering nothing kind of new in the song. Next. Okay. Few yeah. things I like. Next to Big <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's few, the real meat and potatoes. A, a few things that the song has going on for it is I like the way it opens up with just the the, the sparse drum beat that goes in. There's like a plinking piano in the background. And um, I, think, I think some of the great synth work in the song gets overshadowed by it. Uh, everything else going on in it. There's a... I can't even explain it. There, there's a, a synth line in this song that. I mean, I it's, think. It's right there for you. It's a good pulse. This particular song also. Um, it seems to be the return of those death guitars that mm -hmm. came in uh, Mr. Self Destruct. Like, I'll, I'll agree with you that I want to know everything. I want to be everywhere. I want to fuck everyone in the world. I want to do something that matters. And it just repeats that. Repeats yeah, but I have something to say about that. I have but, something to say about that. that. But I'm fine with it, though. But while yeah. that's going on... <laughs> I have something to say about that. While that's going on, there's depth charge guitars going on. That boom, wow, yeah. wow. Yeah, it's, oh yeah. Uh, I think it's great. It's, it's, it's but blowing I will say that like, I could understand why you particularly might not like this song. But no, I, I like everything Yeah, it wasn't on. about the lyrics. There was just, I just felt like... Like sonically, I wasn't doing anything new, but then when I listened to it today, I was like, What was I? Listen to it again, but listen for the plinking no, piano. No, I loved it. I, listen for the plinking yeah, pianos, and you like it them today. more. So, yeah, it's a uh, oh, I next? do not want this. Is <laughs> I think it's solid. Good. I think it's solid. Hey, by I'm, the way, the the uh, the sample you were thinking of from the becoming, yeah, that's from Eric's favorite <laughs> one of Eric's favorite film, Robot Jocks. <laughs> <laughs> So go back and look at that cinematic masterpiece. You know, Giant nobody can robots, read. Nobody can boxing. read in the future in robots. <laughs> so they have robots that teach people how to read. Okay. Oh, man. all right. So, so I think that this particular song could potentially be why it's not a flawless album. But it's since it's so short, guy? I don't really don't, care. Eric, don't you have like a? Don't you get a a, a, a three act play? Oh, sure. Song too. No. Uh, this is no. You're right. My three act play. This does throw a wrench in that. It. <laughs> It's silly. Um, I did read an interview with him right when this came out, explaining this song. And he said this song, Trent Reznor said this song was both an homage and huge respect, but also a criticism of gangster rap. Oh, yeah. When it came out. That's, that, that was what this song was about. Uh, thematically, I can... When I tell you my three-act play at the very end of this episode, I, there's a way it can fit in, but really it's combining violence and sex the way that gangster rap did, which musically Trent Reznor really respected, but lyrically, misogynistically, looking at it, he had problems with it, and that's what the song is about. So, I, I mean, I think from a protest stance, like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not against it. I think, I think it needs to be said, but it... It's weird on this album, and I will give it that. It should have just been a... If it, if it absolutely had to be here, it should have been an instrumental song. Just the, the I'm going to come all over you. Right. I know it's... Right. I know it means shooting somebody to death. No, I mean, I mean, but clearly... Killing somebody. But yeah, it's gross. Yeah. yeah. I, I, clearly, this is a satire. 
Yeah, yes, I mean, you got is. me a big old dick, and I like to have fun. I get it. That's right. I, well, I, yeah. It's, Tommy I mean, Lee was on this. Tommy Lee did the drums on this. Yeah, yeah. He was credited as, as Steakhouse, and from what I understand, like, I don't know what the fuck that means. Maybe he slaps his dick against the microphone. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> I guess we'll never know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this song, um, I think it became such a conservative talking point because this is around the time when the parental advisory stickers yeah. were coming on things. Well, it was it. almost like... They played, it, they played it live 41 times. And I'm really surprised by that. Oh, wow. You know, because for how much, like, I, I don't know in what context, like, any fan would want, like, did they play Big Man with a Gun? <laughs> but... Whatever, man. I mean, it's I it's a know. short song. It's a minute and thirty six seconds. So is that all? Is that that's how yeah. long it is? It's very this short. song. This song would be like a great B side to Guns N' Roses. My world. You remember that track? Off, uh, for Chinese use, democracy. No, it's off. <laughs> it's off. Use your illusion. One, I think. Oh yeah, that's right. I do want to step into my world. It's that a, do he I was do. listening to too much Nine Inch Nails at the time. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but Axl Rose wore, wore a sin shirt in the liner notes for oh, News Early. He did, yeah. <laughs> so Early adopter. That pretty much uh, concludes side one, I yeah. think, if you're looking at it in that context. And so it starts out with A Warm Place, which is an instrumental song. Hold on the Japanese edition of the album. Oh, that's for true. For some goddamn reason, they put the cover of Dead Souls in right. after Big Man with a oh, Gun. Oh, sure. And before a warm place. While you're yeah. covered with cum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why not have a Joy Division cover <laughs> thrown in there? I mean, that leading to a lot... Anything after Big Man and Gun's going to just not be working out too well. So. I mean, I mean a warm place is a great palate cleanser for all the cum that's over you. It doesn't so. make any sense. But. All right, gang. It's at this point in the episode we're going to go ahead and, uh, and split it. We're going to go cut it off here. Uh, we got just so much to talk about. We're going to have to split it up over two episodes. I say that now, but <laughs> it actually was a big old blooper that put us in this yeah, pizza here, uh, We recorded the whole thing, and we get really loopy towards the end. It's probably better off that we uh, lost the rest of the episode. And uh, Mark went to edit it, and uh, we appreciate the fact that he's taken it upon himself to edit these episodes. But we don't appreciate the fact that he fucked up and uh, lost the rest of the episode. So we're already running long, so we're going to come back later and um, tonight and record the second half. <laughs> That's right. So we are going to repeat essentially some of the, the nuggets that got lost to the ether due to me clicking and dragging and clipping and clapping. Uh, so sorry, folks. That's why episode three was a little delayed, but we are going to rectify that with a supersize part two. That's right. Episode, uh, episode, we can call this 3.5? Sure. All right. It's the downward spiral, the last few songs, and then we're going to get into the closer singles and the further down the spiral remix albums. So until next time, this is Mark Branstead. Steven Chambers. Eric Anderson. We'll see you then. Goodbye.